insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. This is episode 146. Help me, Obi-Wan Filoni. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my special guest once again today is Sam Whalen. Hi, everyone. How you doing today, Sam? Good. How are you? Good. So we didn't have a chance to finish our discussion in our last episode. We ran kind of long. Um, very good discussion, though. Uh, but we had to kind of cut our third segment out. So we're going to kind of expand on that a little bit here. Uh, today, we're going to continue that discussion. Uh, where we're talking about Star Wars, 10 years into Disney's stewardship of the franchise. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at the two men who kept the franchise alive and given us a new hope, pun intended. Um, and of course, I'm referring to Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Then we're going to take a look at the future of the franchise, based on recently discussed projects that were revealed during Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim. Before we do that, though, I do want to invite our listening and viewing audience to subscribe to the podcast. You can find audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights and Entertainment. Audio and video versions of all the network podcasts can be found listed as Insights into Things. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, <clears throat> pretty much any place you can find a podcast these days. I would also invite you to Write in, give us your feedback. We'd love to get your ideas on topics and how we're doing. You can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. We're on Twitter at insights underscore things. On Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash insightsintothingspodcast. Or you can find links to all those and more on our official website at www.insightsintothings.com. Are we ready? Yes, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So before we dig too deep into where we're going with Star Wars, I thought it would be worthwhile to kind of go back and take a look at the the two men, I think, that have have been attributed to reviving and keeping the franchise alive, and the first being Dave Filoni. Um, Filoni itself, himself has gone back in animation back into the, into the mid to late 90s, working on things like King of the Hill, um, the Oblongs, Kim Possible, um, Lilo and Stitch, the series. So he's had interactions with Disney through his animation. But the one big project that he really worked on that I think that, that established him, because he was moving from a writer role and animation work into, into directing, and that's Avatar, The Last Airbender yep. from 2005. You used to, you're familiar with that show, aren't you? Yeah, it's one of my favorite animated shows, shows of all time, not just animated. I actually did a recent rewatch of it 
probably within the last year or two. Uh, it's a fantastic show, and you, you really can see it's not like it's not just a kid show. I wouldn't even say it's a kid show at all. It deals with some heavy stuff. There's really cool action in it, um, really cool themes, and it was one of the first shows I remember when I was growing up watching, thinking, okay, this is different. This is what the animation medium can be, and this is what storytelling can be in a lot of ways, where it's, you know, it's complicated, but also at the end of the day, it's very simple, and it's it tugs at your heartstrings, and it really connects with you. And I think that as we go through and we see what Filoni does with Star Wars, you can see a lot of his strengths in Avatar that is then translated into Star Wars with similar storytelling techniques. Yeah, and from Avatar, he moves on into the Lucasfilm world with, with Clone Wars in 2008, and it's funny, he had relayed... Uh, a very interesting story. When he got the call to meet Lucas, he didn't believe it because he was a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah, I've heard the story. To begin with, yeah. And he thought it was a prank. So he agreed to meet uh, Lucas to discuss a 3D animated project for Lucasfilm Animation. Well, animation was new ground for Star Wars at the time, so he assumed that was there to kind of feed the prank a little bit, and, and Lucasfilm Animation didn't even exist as far as he knew. It was a brand new division of Lucasfilm. <clears throat> so when he went to go meet with him, he wound up telling one of the members, one of the producers during the call that, oh, you know, I'm in the process of building my own Jedi costume in my garage at the time. Now, you know, he's my age. So he was in 97, what, 30 years ago now almost? 20 years ago? Uh, math's math is hard. 20 years. <laughs> 20 years ago. So he's in his, his early to mid-20s, all right? So I can relate to that because I was going through the same types of things and there was this lull in Star Wars and everybody wanted to see more Star Wars after, you know, the, the re-release of the anniversary edition and stuff like that. So it was kind of funny that he really didn't, believe that he was being given this opportunity. Um, but what really caught George's eye was his work on Avatar. Because so many of the themes that they wind up dealing with in Clone Wars, they dealt with in Avatar. What are, what are some of the parallels from the two shows that you, you really see his handiwork in? Yeah, I mean, Star Wars in general, there's always a theme of found family, you know, especially if you get into Rebels and Clone Wars, the idea of that family doesn't necessarily have to be blood, but the people that you find along the way that then become your family, that's a very big thing in Avatar. Um, the idea of, like, sins of parents kind of um, influencing their children, you get that in Avatar with Zuko and his father, and then in, in Star Wars with, obviously, Luke and Vader. Um, but um, there's, I mean, I'm trying to think of, I feel like there's another big one I'm missing, but really the found family thing is like the big thing and, and Filoni's ability to really capture this tight knit group of people that, you know, would do anything for each other. And that's more rebels, which I think he actually pitched rebels before uh, clone wars. Um, clone wars is kind of more expansive, but you still have that core group of, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan and eventually Ahsoka. Um, but yeah, I think Filoni's ability to really, to really get down to the heart of things and and tell those stories is kind of what made him the guy uh, going into this. Yeah, and and it's a it's interesting you mentioned uh, the overarching theme of Clone Wars. Clone Wars was originally a, a George Lucas concept that came out of um, you know Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi, stuff like that. Lucas wanted to tell that story that he couldn't tell in between the films, and that first season was really a lot of what he wanted to, to do with that. After that first season was sort of when 
he kind of gave the reins to Filoni at that point, and then you really start to see this series get deeper and more yeah. character development. I mean, it's really hard to take an army of people that are the same person and make them all distinctive. And every episode did exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, and I'll probably hit on it again, but that Clone Wars does so well is that it takes these genre stories of Westerns. I think I'd said it in the last episode, Westerns and, and noir and, and crime dramas and all these different things and puts it in Star Wars. And that's where a lot of the best arcs in Clone Wars comes from is, you know, Star Wars doesn't always have to be about the Skywalkers. It doesn't always have to be about, you know, the same like three things over and over again, which is where you get some of the feelings in the movies because they're so, you know, hamstrung by these these couple of, of topics. But in Clone Wars, because it's a TV show and you have more time to stretch it out, you can cover so many different themes and topics and, and storytelling devices. Yeah, and, and I remember when Clone Wars came out, they had talked about how they're going to distinguish the personalities of the clones. And, and the big thing that they, they kind of latched onto was, oh, they're going to have different hairstyles. And it was like... Uh, that's really not going to cut it. Yeah. And that's what the first season was. It was, this guy's got a mohawk, and this guy's got a buzz cut. And, and it was like, they were all the same person in really that first season. It wasn't until Filoni really started to get involved with it that you started to find out that they were all distinct personalities. It wasn't just a haircut. Yeah, and, and two things I want to mention in that. I think in the first season, we get the episode Rookies, which is where it's all about the clones, and we get... um. I'm blanking on all the Star Wars fans are going to bash me. But we get that original team of clones that we eventually follow through the entire show. Um, and that's when you start to get their different personalities. Uh, and I, I want to shout out D. Bradley Baker, who does the voice for all the clones. He's, like, ridiculous. If you watch Bad Batch, he does all the voices there. He does all the voices of all the clones. And the more opportunities they give him to do it, the better he gets at it. Because you mentioned the haircut thing, but it really is the vocal performance too of, of yeah. Baker giving each of these individual people who look the same, you know, aside from cosmetic differences, but who has the same face, distinct personalities just through the vocal performance. And if you, if you have any interest in, in animation and, and voice acting, it's like a masterclass in what you can do just by little, you know, changes to your voice. Yeah, it, it is great. And in fact, when we were down a couple of years back at, um, uh, Star Wars Celebration in uh, Orlando. They did uh, a continue. It was a continuing storyline that they were doing. That was an on-stage read-through. Oh wow! And he participated in that. He and, was there. Yeah. It oh was, wow! It was fantastic to see these guys up on stage, all the voice actors doing a read-through of this story. It was incredible. You can probably find it on YouTube still. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was It was a great experience to actually see that and, and to see how they work together because it's not even like... Because when they do the show, they're recording their dialogue in separate you know, studio sessions and stuff like that, but when they're up on stage, they're riffing off of each other. You know, mm -hmm. They're looking at the person that they're actually reading dialogue to and, and, and they're almost emoting it out. I mean, they're sitting on... on chairs and stuff like that they're not up acting it out but you can see the emotion on their faces when they do this and and when he changes characters you can see a change in his posture as he's doing a different character it reminds me of uh andy circus for all you lord of the rings fans out there he did an interview recently on colbert where he was uh talking about recording the audiobooks for lord of the rings which are very good if you want to check them out but he was talking about because he does all the voices so he was talking about and he was physically demonstrating how when he does Gollum. It was, he has two personalities. He'll go from one side of the mic to the other to do the different yeah. two, two aspects of the personality. And it's things like that where, like, 
don't know. I just I'm like such a nerd for like voice acting and things like that because I just think it's so it's so cool and it's so impressive. And this show is an example of that Clone Wars. Um, and like with most things with the show, it gets better as it goes. And not just D. Bradley Baker, but Ashley Johnson as Ahsoka Tano, uh, James. I was gonna look up the other two names of Anakin and Obi Wan, but they're also great because um, it's you know it's not Hayden Christensen and um, right. Ewan McGregor. It's they got new actors, and in some aspects, I think they do a better job than than Hayden and and Ewan did at some points, especially Obi Wan. I think Obi Wan's voice is awesome. Well, and and part of that is is the fact that there's so much more character development that happens over this time. You've got so much more freedom to express emotions and and regret and development of that character that you don't have that level of freedom in a two-hour movie. You know? Yeah. Uh, Matt Lanter is Anakin Skywalker, and James Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan. I just want to make sure I get those names right. Uh, also, a bunch of other people. Corey Burton as Count Dooku is like one of the best voices yeah. in the show. Um, yeah, it's it's great, and you should all go watch it. <laughs> just to confirm, it was season one, episode five uh, was Rookies. Yeah, so, I mean, season one is definitely rough, and definitely it can be like, you're like, okay, do I really want to watch more of this? But episodes like Rookies really are like okay there's there's potential here sure and is it a coincidence that's when george leaves that the quality steps up i don't know you know i don't want to bash him too hard but well you know george was never famous for his dialogue right exactly so <laughs> i think if you can you don't have to you know you can cherry pick some episodes from season one um and i would say you could probably skip the whole movie uh, i don't know if you want to cover the movie but uh the movie was rough uh it's only kind of worth it to see ahsoka get introduced but she's also unbearable in that movie but She's unbearable at the beginning, but then by the end, it makes her character progression even better. So, And Rex, too. We get Rex in that movie, who's great. Yes, we do. And and I'll reserve judgment on, on Ahsoka. <laughs> yes, we've had discussions about Ahsoka. The jury, is, for me, is still out on Ahsoka. <laughs> My biggest thing with Ahsoka was she, she was a character that shouldn't have existed. <clears throat> the only reason she existed was to appeal to a certain demographic for the TV show. That was all she was created for. I mean, in Filoni's pitches for what was going to be Rebels, George handpicked out Ahsoka and was like, hey, we should have her. Of all the characters he pitched, he picked Ahsoka and was like, hey, let's, let's develop her. And the, then they did. The problem that I have with that is canonically, how do you go through the entire episode three of Revenge of the Sith? He's still a Padawan in, in Revenge of the Sith. How do you go through all of that? Or he's an apprentice, though. He's not a Padawan. He's an apprentice. How do you go through that? He's never made a master. He never talks about, never mentions that he's had this Padawan that went through, what, three years of the Clone Wars and, and all this stuff. How do you never mention that? Well, if you... <laughs> so they kind of tried to fix that a little oh, bit. Oh, they did a terrible job retconning that. With the last season of Clone Wars, where you get the, the, the animated versions of Revenge of the Sith and you see... I don't know. I think it's good because you get, like... Because you know what's going to happen to Anakin, and it makes Ahsoka like a tragic character because she cares about him so much, and it's like, I don't know, George picked her out of a lineup after he made all the movies, all right? <laughs> and that's the problem, is they tried to shoehorn her into a storyline after they had a story. All the Clone Wars is that, though. It's, we have to go back and retro, which, will I mean, that's kind of the thing Filoni does, is he tries, he takes what are the movies and tries to make them better with TV shows. And he did that with Clone Wars, where the prequels are of just better if you watch Clone Wars, because you get, you know, it's not just one elevator conversation between Anakin and Obi-Wan. It's multiple, multiple interactions where you really believe that these guys are friends. And it, and it makes, and the clones in general, you really care about the clones. And, and when Order 66 happens in that final season, it's like, it's really heartbreaking, yeah. especially for what happens to Ahsoka. Absolutely. That I will agree with. However, the one area that he failed to do any justice to in Clone Wars from the movies 
was Jar Jar. Jar Jar was still annoying. At the end, Jar Jar gets one arc with Mace Windu that's not awful, (laughs) but everything else kind of is. He gets one arc. I still think Jar Jar is a secret Sith Lord who started the whole thing. Hey, George said Jar Jar was the key to all of this, so (laughs) we can take that however we want. So, all right, so he moves on from Clone Wars, uh, does a fantastic job with that. He gets his Rebels, which... I liked Rebels. I mm-hmm. think Rebels worked very well. Uh, I think it wound up falling into that same um, solo siloing issue that Star Wars tends to do where you have this entire galaxy and this whole thing takes place basically on one planet. Yeah, LaFall. And it's not a particularly compelling planet. No, it's just like a field. Right. Like, <laughs> there's there's literally nothing there. Until the final season when everything's there. Right. Um, so that's kind of where it was, a, it was a stretch for me, and it kind of fell off. And But one thing they did that was really good with that was they gave you the expansion of the understanding of the Force. Yeah. You know, when they when – they, they tried to do that in Clone Wars with the – uh, Father, daughter, yeah, son. Yeah, well, I forget the name of it. It starts with an M. Mortis? Mor- Mortis, yes. Yes. That was interesting because they actually tried to tie that into the novels that were happening at the time with uh, Legacy of the Jedi novels, I think it was. Mm. And they had this ultimate villain and she was associated with the father and, oh. and all that stuff. Uh, very interesting. Shows up as one of the one of the monster villains in uh, Star Wars role-playing. Oh, really? Five... SW5E. Huh, that's neat. He does that. He does Forces of Destiny, which was the... Can I talk about Rebels a little bit? Because Rebels, you know... I was just going to skip right over I noticed that. I was just going to blow through Rebels. Rebels (laughs) Rebels is definitely worth watching. I think in a lot of regards, it's on the same tier. We talked, you know, we spoke very highly of Clone Wars, but I think Rebels is right there. I mean, Rebels, the problem with Rebels is it's like a kid show in the beginning, and it does... Yeah, which like, is that a Filoni thing? Is that like a network thing? Who knows? I think it's a network thing. Well, let me stop you there for a second, because I read the prequel novels before this that introduced the characters. Okay. They are not kid-friendly. Yeah. Like, he's this, like, adult, former drug addict, and he's working in the underworld, and he sees her and has a crush on her. Like, it's really off the wall. Okay. And then when I saw the series, I was like, wait a second, these, these aren't even the same characters that they introduced, so... That was kind of a shock for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, that's definitely the biggest the hampering of it is that it is a kid's show for a lot of it. But it also does I, – I mentioned it earlier with that found family thing. And that's something you don't really get a lot in Clone Wars. But the crew of the Ghost is like a family. And it's it, almost from the very beginning. And it's really, really genuine. And you get a lot of really good moments. And, and every character gets their own arcs and things like that to really flesh them out. And it's, it's really – I think that's cool. I also like the original trilogy era even though the art style in that show is weird because they tried to do like the rough Macquarie stuff, but like that just doesn't translate to animation very well. So if you look up a photo of like Yoda, he looks like a monster, (laughs) like more of a monster than he actually looks like. Um, I would definitely say watch rebels, especially if you liked clone wars and you want kind of more of that similar storytelling. Uh, season two is really good. We get Ahsoka back and we get Ahsoka Vader fight and it's really cool. It's like one of the coolest finales I've ever seen in a show. Uh, but yeah, definitely don't just uh, skip by Rebels. I would say definitely check it out. Okay, so I won't skip by it. Sorry. <laughs> it's not Forces of Destiny we can skip because I didn't watch that. Well, Forces of Destiny was more a marketing campaign than anything else. They had to come up with some stories to sell some toys, and that's really what Forces of Destiny was. And it was catered to to young girls and stuff like that. 
I don't really have much to say about Force of the Destiny. <clears throat> Same thing with the next show, too. I also didn't watch this. Resistance was terrible. <laughs> oh, the animation was terrible. The storylines. This was one of the things that they tried to do to bridge the gap from Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, and it was just it was just awful. It really was. I mean, this is one of the ones where Filoni kind of fell flat on, fell flat on yeah. his face. Well, yeah, I, uh, like I said, I never checked either of those two shows out, but, I, I mean, I'm sure someone had a good time animating it, so hopefully they got something out of it. Well, there you go. And then we have Clone Wars 2, otherwise known as the Bad Batch. <laughs> I talked very highly about Bad Batch last week. Uh, maybe not very highly. It's good. It's more Clone Wars, like you said, Clone Wars 2. You get characters from Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, it kind of becomes a thing that they do now where it's a cameo fest, but you get more D. Bradley Baker crushing it as all the clones, you know, Rekka, Tech. He doesn't do Omega. That's somebody else. Um, yeah, um, I forget her name, but it's another, it's a young girl or a uh, woman. But uh, yeah, if you liked the family aspect of Rebels and the, the action-y war tale of Clone Wars, it's kind of like a merging of those two things. Yes, that that I would tend to agree with. And and Bad Batch, I think, is 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 pretty good. The only th- complaint I have about Bad Batch, <clears throat> and you and I disagreed on this last week, is how much they devoted the last season of Clone Wars to setting this up as a as an offshoot. They wasted a lot of episodes that they could have used to really wrap up that that story arc better than they did because they wasted a lot of episodes of that last season of Clone Wars that they brought back. Yeah, I mean they could have. It was. I think they wasted way more time with the Rava. I absolutely Rafa and I forget her sister's name, but th- those people that. Show up in Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got to reuse them. Yeah. You know, they spent all that time animating them, so. Especially that with, like, this is it. Like, Ahsoka's back, and, like, we see where Ahsoka's been, and then she's hanging out. There's, like, wacky adventures with these two sisters. It's like, what are we, why? And that was almost, it almost felt like an extension of Forces of Destiny, the way that it Mm. went down. That's really what it felt like. Uh, the stuff with the Bad Batch, I, like I said, we talked about it last week, but those episodes were, like, basically already scripted and made and blocked. So I think that they we're in there because you know we had already shown the fans this and people are going to expect that when we if we're going to give it the full budget that this final season got which is why it looks awesome like in terms of visuals and animation quality it's like a huge step up see but and the problem that i have there is you're once again you're retconning like okay the bad batch they're like x-men right like <laughs> how were they never mentioned before they they come in into clone wars with this reputation of being like the a and you've never seen them before. You've never heard of them before. They don't show up on any kind of news feeds, nothing. They just they just come in with this reputation. Well, this is what happens when you're supposed to believe it. When everything's a prequel and we never move forward. <laughs> when we're constantly backtrading <laughs> to fill in gaps, this is what's going to happen. It's inevitable. When, when the movies are the blueprint and then we try to fill in every possible second of the timeline with new characters, there's just not a whole lot you can do. And I get that and I accept it. I just don't like it. <laughs> we tried moving forward and no one liked that. So, <laughs> well, all right. So let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and, and kind of do a recap on, uh, on happy when we come back. We'll be right back. For over seven years, the second Sith empire has been the premier community guild in the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. With hundreds of friendly and helpful active members, a weekly schedule of nightly events, annual guild meet and greets, and an active community 
both on the web and on Discord. The Second Civ Empire is more than your typical gaming group. We're family. Join us on the Starforge server for nightly events such as operations, flashpoints, world boss hunts, Star Wars trivia, guild lottery, and much more. Visit us on the web today at www.thesecondsithempire.com. Welcome back to Insights and Entertainment. We are talking Disney and things. Uh, Star Wars mostly, but, you know, everyone starts out in Disney at some point. Yeah, right? the, the large looming shadow of the mouse. So, <laughs> so 10 years in, you know, since they've, they've owned it, and we're talking about where they came with it. And the other person who seems to be the, the man of the hour with, with resurrecting Star Wars and keeping it going is John Favreau, uh, who started out with Disney back in 2008, uh, directing Iron Man and, and portraying Happy Hogan in Iron Man. Uh, and he had a rather storied career with, with Marvel. What are your candid thoughts on John Favreau? Yeah, I looked ahead at the notes and I saw that we were going to talk about John Favreau. I'm not a big John Favreau guy. I don't think he's that talented of a director. I think he's, you know... I, I use the phrase Disney hack off air, you know, maybe. Um, but I like Iron Man, the first one. He also did a movie called Chef. That's pretty good. He stars and directed that. Uh, those movies are good. I just, I don't know. You look at, like, we have the list here. Iron Man 2, no one likes that movie. Jungle Book, the 2016 remake. The Lion King 2019 remake. Like, both of those movies just felt like such, like, corporate kind of cash grabs, especially Lion King. Cause the, the, the live-action remakes that were 99% CGI. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. They're not live-action. They're just not. They're animated, okay? Just because it looks like a real lion, which it doesn't, doesn't make it live-action. They didn't, like, cast a lion. It doesn't matter. I, I, the Lion King especially was like a personal offense to me because I'm a big fan of the original movie and like the new one was just so I didn't watch it so you can disregard my opinion if you like but like it's just so soulless you know and I think it's like the epitome of Disney as a corporate machine and I think John Favreau is on the front of that face of that because they didn't have the songs in it that's why they only have like four of the songs yeah, and they wasn't... they redid them and they were awful <laughs> anyway um, you know, I'm sure John, you know, John Favreau, he made his money. He's a very successful guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him for that. Happy. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So what about producing? So producing, he did pretty much everything with, with Marvel so far. He's been involved with Avengers, Iron Man, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, Age of Ultron. Do you think that his hand with Marvel has been worthwhile? Has it has he contributed to it? Has he detracted from it? You know, he, they keep him in it, so yeah. he must be doing something right. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways he's similar to Filoni, where if you look at a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and, you know, it's all manufactured, so take it with a grain of salt anyway. But Favreau seems like he is a fan of the Marvel source material, and when he gets to stuff uh, with Star Wars, he seems like he's a fan of that source material too. And even if he is, you know, the corporate shill I make him out to be, <laughs> if even if he's don't hold back, don't say you really feel. Even if he's a little bit of a fan, that's going to translate at some point. He's not someone that's totally unfamiliar with these properties coming in, trying to shoehorn it into whatever story he wants to tell. He respects the source material, and he has also, you know, he's found a way to adapt it to a whole new audience. So there's there's credit there. So as a fan, he did participate in Clone Wars as the voice of Prey Vizsla. Yeah, 
uh, which actually he told an interesting story about this. He was on set doing uh, some some post work for Iron Man two at the time, and was invited to come in and do the voice for him. And all of a sudden, he adopts that that persona, you know, moving forward in the in the shows. Then they bring him back in for Mandalorian. Now, everyone kind of really got juiced about John Favreau because of what he did with Mandalorian. What are your thoughts on? Obviously, you're not a, a huge fan of his Marvel work or his other Disney movie work. How is he now with Star Wars? Uh, I'm a big fan of Mandalorian. I talked about that last week. It's like I think it's the best modern Star Wars thing to come out of of this whole you know the acquisition and everything. I think it's the most promising thing going forward of what we can do with this universe. And it's, you know, Favreau has been a big part of that. And, you know, I give him a ton of credit for that because it's kind of like what he did with Iron Man, where, you know, this is the guy for this universe going forward. And we're going to center things around him and have his, that property be like the thing. And I think Favreau is good at that. And I think he, you know, he, he did it again with Star Wars. So now, did you ever get a chance to watch the Disney gallery document, uh, docu documentary on the Mandalorian? I did not. That's that's worth watching because he hosts it and he kind of does all the interviews with all the other directors. Because remember, Mandalorian season one was directed by five different oh, yeah. directors. Yeah. So it wasn't him directing everything. He was really the this, this showrunner for it more than anything. Okay, so I was thinking of something else. I did watch a couple of these. I didn't watch all of them, um, but I did watch a couple of these episodes. Because I remember that's where you get a lot of the cool behind-the-scenes stuff. that I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are those were fun to watch, especially like... Hearing the the Filoni one, I remember being really good because he talks about like you get you know he's just a fan, so it's like two fans just talking about Star Wars. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do remember those now. And I and I have to say that's probably where the the magic really happens is each of these guys alone <clears throat> bring an element that's that's contributory towards the success. But I think the two of these guys together as a team are what really have made this what it is. Um, Filoni kind of had this early on when he had that that mentor mentee relationship with Lucas and and he was he was kind of like the junior George type yeah. thing, but I think the relationship that that Favreau and Filoni have together is more they play off of each other's strengths and I think that's really where a lot of that value comes from. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if it's you know if if Favreau is more of the business side of things, you know, having a background in producing and directing and you know having a foothold in the corporate world of things at disney <laughs> for better or worse i think that, that could be an asset when you've got a creative like filoni that can do the writing and the, and the story blocking and things like that putting those together that's how you get things made at the end of the day so and i think ultimately that's where we're we're kind of at with the the situation here that we're at now i mean we've got book of boba that was a collaboration between the two of them which that was probably not the best thing that came out of it up until about what episode five? Yeah, whenever the Mandalorian show. Yeah, when, when Mandalorian <laughs> season two point five started. Um, the one thing I think that we get from the two of these guys is that we don't get from the the movies that we saw the sequel movies is there's an appreciation for the history and for the legacy. You know, they're constantly trying to put little pieces in to connect it back to the original series. You know, I went crazy when the Mandalorian lands on Tatooine in season one and the little red R5 droid comes out with the scorch marks from the blown motivator from A New Hope. 
And I pointed it out when we were watching it to the rest of the family. And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. You're just sort of making this up. And then in the documentary, he talks about that specifically. Oh, really? Yes. That's cool. And he insisted that they actually paint that on there so that you would be able to tell that Mm -hmm. that was where he came from. Yeah, speaking of Tatooine callbacks, in the 2.5 episode of Bobo, he gets the souped-up Naboo Starfighter that's like a hot rod, right? which is like so dumb, but I fell for it. Like It was so cool. And then you see it flying next to X-Wings, and it's like the merging of prequel and, and original trilogy stuff that you know I think is really neat. And that's there's just so much potential that if they would just kind of capitalize on, and like what the, I imagine the Mandalorian will do, you know, moving the story of Luke forward, moving the story of Ahsoka forward, things like that, yeah. like, you know, moving forward with things. <laughs> well, I guess for Luke, it's, he's still, you know, where he, see where he ends up, but, you know, the Luke that we all wanted. Right. Well, and it's funny you mention that because even that scene where they're putting the ship together, he goes to the Jawas and they have to go get some kind of stabilizer or I figure what it was called, but it's the bar that they used in the trash compactor mm. scene in A New Hope. It's the same exact thing. And, and they, did, they did that just so you had that visual reference to the, the original trilogy. And it's like the fact that they go out of their way to do stuff like that, I think to me, shows their appreciation for it. But it, it's that little bit of fan service. I do think you can go too far with that. That's how you get a solo where it's like the dice. I agree. <laughs> but, you know, at least you know that the people doing it in Mandalorian actually care, you know, because you see the behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, it, it's not like as in your face. If it's subtle. Yeah. If it's subtle and it's there to provide accent to the mm-hmm. scene or context to where you are or something like that, you know. And it can make the universe feel... More connected, I guess. Too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you do something like a solo, or even what J.J. Abrams did, you know, as, as much as I want to say that Force Awakens was the best of the sequel trilogies, it still wasn't a very good movie, and it was really there for fan service, just for fan service, for the sake of fan service. Yeah, it definitely. was basically a, a remake of A New Hope. And they even make fun of it, you know? Like, in the movie, they're making fun of oh, there's got to be a way to blow it up. There's always a way to blow it up. Like, you know, lines like that are 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 kind of, it's that slap in the face that where you're going over the top. Yeah. All right, so I got a giant Death Star with a big laser. Oh, well, this is what the original Death Star looked like, and this is what, oh, so it's a bigger Death Star. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, that was too much. Seeing an R2 or an R5 droid, that I that I recognized and, and thought, wow, that that, that would be awesome if the if it was the one from A New Hope, and it turned out to be the one from A New Hope. Yeah, it there wasn't a plot, you know, line around it. There wasn't a twist to it. There wasn't dialogue around it or anything. It was just there. We didn't get a six episode miniseries about the droid like dealing. Right, with right, right. The droid didn't get his own series like everyone else seemed to get. <laughs> Coping with the blow motivator. <laughs> so, anyway, but I, I think that I think the bottom line here is that. While they each bring their own to the to the equation here, I think the two of them together is really where that that creativity is is benefiting the franchise. Yep, absolutely. So we're going to take a second break here. We'll come right back and we're going to talk about the future of Star Wars. Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Talking to real teens about real teen problems. 
explore issues from braces to puberty, social anxiety to financial responsibility. Each week, we talk about the topics concerning today's youth. We look at how the issues affect teens, how to cope with these issues, and how parents, friends, and loved ones can help teens handle these challenges. Check out our video episodes on youtube.com backslash insights into things. Catch our audio versions on podcast.insightsintoteens.com or on the web at insightsintothings.com. So the future of Star Wars under Disney. So they had a ton of announcements at Celebration. I watched a bunch of the panels. Uh, couldn't go because it was in Anaheim and, you know, flying and all that stuff and pandemic and Rona and all that. But I found when we were down at uh, Orlando, it was better to watch it on YouTube anyway because you can't get close to the stage for anything. Uh, so they announced a bunch of things, and some of these we, we already knew were coming out. So the first one that we have to talk about here is Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which was announced back in December of 2020. Uh, it was going to be a Patty Jenkins uh, movie. Uh, then she was on again, off again, on again. She's got Wonder Woman that she's working on. A whole kind of thing. And it almost smelled a lot like, like Solo, where we're having problems keeping directors again for some reason. Um, Rogue Squadron still scheduled for a 2023 theatrical release, but it's not clear if they're going to keep that, especially with Taika Waititi's film moving forward that we'll talk about in a little bit. Do we need a Rogue Squadron film? No. Uh, <laughs> I think my thesis for this part is this is, I talked about it last week, but I've kind of fallen off of the movies and TV shows, and I think this is like the peak of that. Uh, no, we don't need a Rogue Squadron. Uh, if you're going to do it, it should have already came out, and it should have ripped off Top Gun. Uh, people would have been way more invested if that's what they did. <laughs> uh, if I had to guess, I'd say they're probably going to make it a TV show now, because didn't, uh, what was it, Kathleen Kennedy, they said they're moving away from movies and they're moving into television? Uh, that was, yeah... They did, but they did because yeah. they announced a whole bunch of movies at Celebration. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't check any of that stuff out. But um, no, I don't think we need that. I never was really into the whole Rogue Squadron thing. I never was really into the games because uh, they were, you know, flight flying games. And I was never into them. They had the new Squadrons game uh, that was that was fun. Uh, very complicated though. And again, you know, it's just I don't know the the flying thing <laughs> as a topic never really interested me. It was a great series of novels. I, okay. I have to say, I did enjoy the novels themselves. And they had a Rogue Squadron video game that came out in the I want to say '90s or so, somewhere in that time. Uh, but none of the none of the storylines from those books or that game is going to be included in this, from what they said. So awesome! It's going to be something <laughs> completely new. <laughs> uh, so next we have a, a movie that's to be determined. It's a standalone movie from uh, director J.D. Dillard. Uh, who did the 2016 sci-fi hit Slight. Uh, no details about this, the fact that he got his own movie, because apparently everyone's getting a Star Wars movie now. Not only do you get an offshoot of a series if you're a character, you get your own movie if you're a director and apply for it at this point. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I'm sure our letter's in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for our invitation to come to our own. Uh, because the next one that we have to talk about is another one that's to be determined, and that's a Kevin, how do you pronounce his name? I was looking up J.D. Dillard. Uh, Kevin Feige. Feige. Okay. 
So Kevin Feige is also getting his own standalone movie. Okay, people were jazzed about that. He's the Marvel guy. So he's weird. the Marvel guy. I mean, he is. He's like, he, you know, again, we, we talked about it off air, but you don't want to point fingers at one person for everything wrong or everything right with a franchise. <laughs> but Kevin Feige seems like he's the one that is like the he steps in and he says, hey, let's let's do this to, to make the MCU a cohesive universe. Um, and it's weird they're giving him only one movie, but, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like, he's not... Why is he... Has he directed before? I don't know. If he's the Marvel guy, why is he doing a Star Wars? Okay, it's Disney. They own everybody. Uh, let me look up Kevin Feige and see if he's directed. That could be interesting, though, if he, you know, does it right. I don't know. Did they give uh, any information on what it could be about? No, there aren't a lot of details or any details at all. Um... You know, they talk about him being the man who built the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, there was a 2020 conversation in The Hollywood Reporter uh, from uh, Joe Russo, the Endgame director, uh, where he talked about Star Wars uh, in Kevin's debut, and he thinks he's going to do great at it, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's mostly producer credits on his IMDb uh but there's so many of them that I'm having trouble finding anything else. There's 67 of them, <laughs> uh, and I can't figure out how to sort. So, you know, maybe, you know, he, he did his time at Marvel. Maybe he wants a, a shot at directing a Star Wars film, and that's why it's a standalone movie. You know, we're like, hey, one, you know, here you go, buddy. Well, that's the only thing that I could think. Um, Michael Waldron's being tasked to write the script of the film. They did announce that. Deadline announced that in January of 2021. Oh, Loki executive producer. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean... It's a lot all... of producers doing things that aren't producing makes me kind of nervous. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of they're moving down the food chain. Usually you move <laughs> up to the producer role in the food chain, don't you? Yeah, but, you know, directors get more critical acclaim, so... I, I guess, yeah. If they're good. Uh, and that brings us to another to-be-announced movie that they're looking to do. So this kind of all plays into that whole... Uh, theme of Kathleen Kennedy where Star Wars is moving away from movies. They've got a bunch of movies they want to do. They just don't know or they're not releasing information. Now, we already know that Taika Waititi was confirmed to be making his own movie here. He was already out during Celebration. He was out scouting locations and filming. Um, it's slated for um, a late 2023 release. I don't know if I want Taika Waititi doing a Star Wars film. Now, he did get a Star Wars episode. He did get an episode of Mandalorian, uh, which he did great with that. Yeah. But I'm terrified that we're going to get a, a Thor comedy version of a Star Wars movie, and I don't know if that's going to go over very well. I, th I mean, I'm... I'm more open to the idea just because I think Thor Ragnarok was good because it was it made Thor more interesting and it made the universe more interesting by not taking it as seriously but also it helped it helped that every other Thor movie sucked though. that did help <laughs> yeah that it's hard it's a low bar <laughs> um I have not seen the new Thor movie which he also directed so I'm not sure if that quality's still there it didn't get very high ratings I saw that I try not to read that stuff but you know it's it's everywhere so yeah. um I I don't know I think Taika's a pretty talented guy uh I don't know I, you know, I think if they did something where it's not, you know, like a main character that we know, if he kind of got like his own thing that's a little more quirky, maybe that would go over well, you know, or just fully commit, make a Star Wars comedy on Disney Plus, you know, we've never seen that except for like, um, droids, 
destroyed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think that could be interesting. That's what I've been saying. Let Star Wars do whatever it wants. You know, take away the, the, the restrictions and, and, you know, make something weird. And, you know, if you throw everything at the wall, which it seems well, like they're doing anyway. Well, that's what Visions is. Visions is True. everything weird. True. But and, make a comedy. Well, and they did with Visions, you know. There was elements of comedy in some of the Visions episodes, too. Which is fine, because it's, it's its own self-contained little box yeah. there. And it doesn't break the rest of the universe. Uh, and that brings us to the last and certainly the least desired movie project. And that is the rumored... Ryan Johnson trilogy, at least from my perspective, I I have zero respect for Ryan Johnson after The Last Jedi at this point in time. I'm sure you'll disagree to a certain extent there. Yeah, I, I, people harp on Last Jedi pretty hard. It's not it's not as bad as people say it is. It has bad elements, but I just there's there's good things about it. Everybody, all right, there's good things, and one of those is the directing. The writing is not great, but there are great shots in it. There's great like you know like uh. Direction, <laughs> maybe not with the actors, but with the actual the action and, and the cinematography and things like that. Oh, especially like that Holo sacrifice scene yeah. where it goes completely silent. It's pretty cool. And they actually had to put a notification at the movie after it premiered that the sound is okay. Oh, You're really? Going, yeah, that's yeah. Funny. That's how bad the direction was with the cinematography. Or people are just dumb. I mean, who knows. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a lot. Of I think that's much there. more likely. Um, yeah, because everybody, especially if you're going to a big premiere like that, people have to clap and throw their popcorn at the screen. So, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it could be all right. I don't think it's actually going to happen though, because I think people are way too turned against Ryan Johnson for them. Like he's like corporate, like he's like a bad apple. You know, I don't think they give him another chance. Well, and I think that's a reputation. It's well earned after last year. <laughs> Well, the same thing happened with the guys from Game of Thrones. One of them, right? Benioff or Weiss. One of them was supposed to get a trilogy. And then the final season of Game of Thrones came out and everybody hated them. <laughs> and they were like, well, we're just going to scrap that. Well, and then they're coming out with, with uh, the offshoot. The yeah, of House of Dragons, yeah, something so, like that. Uh, but anyway, that, that kind of concludes what we're looking at. We have a whole bunch of rumored movies that that we have no real detail yeah that's like way less information than i thought there was gonna be like not like plot like you know they do the marvel thing where it's like she hulk 2023 thing two you know and the setup here is that they're focusing on streaming yep because they have to keep people paying for streaming to to you know get their money that's guaranteed money as opposed to releasing something in theaters absolutely so streaming there's it's ridiculous how many projects they have <laughs> and I'm not going to watch any of them <laughs> they need to come out with another network to stream all this stuff on <laughs> so you've got Andor right so you're going to get Diego Luna coming back as Cassie and Andor that one's already set they've got a release date for that for August 31st we know we're getting that do we need that no nope we don't uh, <laughs> anytime you ask that the answer is almost always going to be no uh yeah, no. I I forgot this second show we're going to talk about. I might actually watch. So I'm, I might have to retract oh, my earlier see, statement. Yeah, but just, I, just I, so you can disagree with me, right? Well, no, I have my reasons for this second show. But no, Andor does not need to be a thing. I mean, it could be. And here's the thing: we talked about this last week. It doesn't all have to be like important to the lore. It can just be an interesting story. If it, if if Andor turns out to be like a a gritty war spy thing. I don't think it will be, but if it was, and like they actually raised some questions that haven't been talked about in Star Wars before, like the more interesting parts of Rogue One, you know, that could be something worth your time. I don't think it's going to be that. <laughs> and and rumor has it that, that they're going to be doing that. This is the, they're supposed to be depicting the origins of uh, the rebellion, yeah, and, and the rebel cause, and and 
they, they, they keep referring back to the one scene about he's been in this since he was seven years yeah. old or whatever it was. Since I was six years old. So it was really seven. It was, it was <laughs> time is hard to keep track of <laughs> space time. <laughs> um, but it's supposed to kind of go into that what he sacrificed and what these other people sacrificed sure. and how, how like Mon Mothma had this idealistic idea that she could change things from, from within the organization and, she comes at a realization that you so there's a lot of um like drama know. you know yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of that drama that they're trying to establish with this whether or not they pull it off or not i don't know we'll have to find out. i just hope they commit you know i hope they don't shy away like that what you just pitched me sounds great that sounds like that could be really interesting and and and, and deep you know and really great character drama I, I don't have faith in them it's, to do it's that not, <laughs> it's not disputes over trade lanes yeah sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> So then the next one that you'll argue with me on is Ahsoka. And I'm actually excited about Ahsoka. We got like the whole Rebels cast coming back. We we do. And and what I like about Ahsoka is the character's finally interesting to me. Yeah. She's she's matured. She's not this annoying little kid kid anymore. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll use that word. <laughs> but she's mature. She's a wise and Jedi at this point. Not a Jedi. I don't know what the hell she is. She's a great Jedi. They let her keep the lightsabers. Yeah, so. <laughs> but they're they're white now. So yeah, it's pretty cool, yeah. huh? But I think the time period that we're seeing here needs to be explored, and I think it's a great opportunity. And this is after Return of the Jedi. This is set in the same time period as Mandalorian, which is ten years, fifteen years after, or five years after Return of the okay. Jedi. Okay. Yeah, because like I like Ahsoka, obviously, and I also keep forgetting the show's going to happen. But also, they've announced like all these Rebels characters are coming back, and Ahsoka's appearance in Mandalorian. She's looking for Ezra. She wants to know where Thrawn is, and like that's the stuff that like interests me because Thrawn's cool. Yeah, <laughs> and like if we get an adult Ezra who's like again not super annoying because. Because he was as annoying as she was yeah, at that age. Except he was the whole show. I yeah. should have mentioned that when I talked about Rebels. Ezra, the main character, is the worst part of the show. And he never stops being the worst part of the show. He's insufferable. Um, he gets like three good moments. <laughs> but I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm curious how that's going to translate to live action. Because, you know, everybody always harps on the translation from animation to live action. And the real answer is because it's not meant to be that. It's not supposed to happen. But, like, imagine Zeb, who's the big furry dude, like, in live action. He's going to look like a monster. So I don't know what any of that's going to look like. Um, but, yeah, I'm really... I I will probably watch that show. You know, and that's it. That and Mandalorian. All right, so we got you hooked on that. And then we've got Mandalorian Season 3 coming in with the the big mistake, I think, is they're bringing Baby Yoda back in, which... They had to. You didn't have to. You didn't. You absolutely didn't. Everyone accepted the fact that Baby Yoda went off the train with Luke. And he's back. Right. And and they killed that in, in Mandalorian Season 2.5, otherwise known as the Book of Everyone but Boba. But, like, right away, which is, like, we talked which about this last week. stupid. So stupid that they did that. They should have done, I'm not saying a whole season without Baby Yoda, because I don't, I'm not a big Baby Yoda guy, you know, I, I can't stand the kid, but... <laughs> You don't like any young people in the Because <laughs> it's just, it's so, at least Baby Yoda was just so, I don't know, cheap and like just a way to sell stuff, which they did. <laughs> but they didn't, though. That was the funny part. They released the series and it took oh, yeah. them 12 months to get a piece of merchandise out. Everybody else was selling Baby Yoda stuff. That is true. Um, I think if we would have gotten like half a season without him and then he shows back up or something, just to see, to give uh, the Mandalorian some more character time alone, you know. See, and I think they had set it up perfectly. All he had to do was take the damn lightsaber. Who doesn't want a shiny lightsaber? 
I thought it was going to take both. Uh, Have cool armor and a lightsaber? Well, (laughs) no, I thought he was going to... When they... For those of you that don't know, Luke presents Grogu with a lightsaber or a set of a tiny Mandalorian (laughs) t-shirt. And and his choice is essentially you can either stay with me and be a Jedi or go live with Mandalorian. I survived the Empire and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. It's really funny, guys. Look it up. It's a small... He holds it up like this. (laughs) Anyway... So he, Grogu ends up choosing Mandalorian, and I, I thought he was going to pick both. I, and I think he, I think it would have made so much, a, such a better story, if he picked the lightsaber and he realized he had to put that part of his life behind him, and then Mandalorian can go off and shine on his own. Yeah. What the hell is he going to do with this kid now? The kid was nothing but a draw to him. Well, now we're going to go full... I think, isn't the idea he's going to go full Mandalorian? We're going to get... We're going to get him in a full Mando suit now? Yeah, it's going to be a mech suit. (laughs) Uh, No, I I imagine they're going to go to Mandalorian and kind of make all that a thing. Because, you know, they said said the Mandalorian isn't the Mandalorian anymore, even though he has the Darksaber, things like that. So I imagine it's going to be... But you don't need Baby Yoda for Well, now he's a foundling, just like Jin was. And he's going to get a mech suit. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. But I, I'm in because it seems like we're teasing. We're going back to Mandalore, and I, every time that's in anything, I love it. Okay, <laughs> we'll get Bo-Katan back. Yeah, and uh, you know, well, the, you know, she's coming back. The Armorer, the Destiny character. No, because the Armorer is a, one of the mean ones. Now she's one of the Death Watch, so he's, yeah, but he's not Death Watch anymore. He's gonna have to fight her, and she's gonna have all different swords and stuff because she's an Armorer. Is that what she's gonna? She's have? gonna have a weapon wheel like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> 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 anyway. Anyway, so the next one we have is Skeleton Crew. There's more? Yeah. There's, dude, there's like 12. <laughs> I thought Mandalorian was the last one. Oh, All right. And Skeleton Crew. Jude Law <laughs> is set to lead uh, John Watt's first foray into Star Wars canon. The series follows the fall of the Empire through the eyes of four children, which I'm sure you'll love. What? Yeah. The series is uh, previously named Codename... Uh, Grammar Rodeo. Uh, it's described as galactic version of classic Amblin coming of age adventure films through the eighties. Which clearly you're not watching this one. Well, like, okay, so I talked about earlier how you can make Star Wars interesting by taking other stories and like putting them in Star Wars. This isn't quite this what I meant. <laughs> this is not what I meant. Although John Watts, he did the Spider-Man movies. He's pretty good at doing that. Like, you know, that first, that Homecoming movie is very much like a, you know, like the, what's the guy's name? Like Breakfast Club, all, the, all those. Right. Um, all those movies. So it could be interesting, I guess. I, uh, why? But sure, Jude Law's in it, so he can be like the principal, I guess. <laughs> anyway. So that's another one that, that Filoni's involved in, as is Rangers of the New Republic, which was on again, off again, on again. This was the one that was supposed to have. Uh, the two guys that we're seeing yeah. show up in Mandalorian, and it was supposed to. Uh, they set up Gina Carano's character, and then she pissed them off because she was tweeting stuff they didn't like, so they yep. fired her. Then they canceled this, and then at celebration, they indicated that this was back on. Uh, don't know what they're doing with this one here, or why they're doing this one. Just combine this and Rogue Squadron, and no one will know. You know? Uh, this was really what Rogue Squadron should have been. It sounds like it's like a procedural. <laughs> like they're gonna like investigate Dun-dun. like a, yeah. Uh, it's like it's these kind of law and order for for Star Wars. These like these shows just sound so boring. Like is it just me? Like these sound like really boring. But wait, we're not done yet. <laughs> we're really not. Then we're gonna 
don't know if we're getting Donald Glover for it or not, but we're coming out with a Lando series, which if you don't have Donald Glover it's or Billy D, it's not going to be a Lando series. Well, this was announced back when like Solo came out, right? Uh, yeah, but they talked about it again. Uh, this is all just to keep the shareholders happy. None of this is ever coming out. <laughs> well, and that's the problem. It's like, it's almost like, well, let's, let's throw all this stuff against the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, we're going to tease all this stuff and see what kind of reaction we get. And it's because they have to, you know, they got to keep people, Star Wars fans, like, oh, here's the, this, this content's never going to, the pipeline's uh-huh. going to keep on flowing, everybody. Then after Lando, we have the Acolyte. Now, the Acolyte actually sounds kind of interesting because they're taking a different route with it. Yeah. It's kind of described as a mystery thriller uh, that will take audiences into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. Vague. Nobody cares about the High Republic. No, because it's all books. I don't want to read. But if it was a show, I might check it out. Right. So this is where they're going to introduce High Republic into into the series. They should have held off on High Republic stuff until this was ready. You would have thought, right? Because nobody wants to read. No. No. I'm struggling getting through the second book of the High Republic. I really am. It, I've read every novel out there. Is so it bad? It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> it really is. Well, maybe they'll do better it's in It's boring. It's more boring than some of these TV shows. <laughs> these descriptions, these very vague, good will fight evil. Like, they don't even have good villains. You can't um, have a Star Wars novel without good villains. I'm sorry. Yeah. But what's interesting about this one is it's going to be a Sith apprentice who's training to become a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. So you can easily tie in elements of Plagueis and Palpatine and the history of the Sith. You can get some, um, uh, who was the rule of two? Bane. Bane. You can get some Bane tied into this stuff. Sure. So there's a ton of lore that you can tie into this, which I like. Uh, then the next one that you're going to hate, a droid story. Uh, an animated feature, a droid story will combine... Original Star Wars animation with new visual effects from ILM. What does that mean? I I, I don't really know. <laughs> it sounds like they're remaking the old yeah, the, animated yeah. stuff. But the film will premiere on Disney Plus and introduce a new hero guided by the iconic duo of R2-D2 and C-3PO with Anthony Daniels confirmed to reprise. Oh, he's got role. nothing going on. I know. He's working at Taco Bell. He's, he's, he's <laughs> Sorry, Anthony, if you're watching this, but come on. I've heard you're very unlikable, so it's all right. Okay, uh, that sounds terrible. Well, that sounds like a ride. Like That sounds like a Star it, Tours it, edition. It, yeah, it does. So that's that's another golden oldie. More. There's more. Uh, we got three more to go through here, <laughs> believe it or not. So we have Tales of the Jedi. Oh, this one's good. This is more Clone Wars. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Tales of the Jedi will land on Disney Plus at some point in the fall of 2022. IGN describes it as a new anthology series that will tell stories of Ahsoka and Count Dooku. It's, all, it's supposed to be a bunch of one-offs. Yeah, there were some uh, some screenshots of this that leaked, and it looks like it's the Clone Wars animation style. So Yeah, which I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have uh, Star Wars Visions Season 2. Did I'm, you watch any of Season 1? I watched like three episodes, but I am happy it got a Season 2 because it's something different, and I'm glad that they're giving it more time. They did a really nice job. There was... I think eight, eight or nine different stories that came out. They're all standalone stories. And of those, five were really good. Yeah, I watched like the first two or three. Yeah, five were really good. Two were okay, and the rest just throw away. That's pretty good. And that's a good, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I think it was based on that, that idea of here, here's nine stories, and seven of them were good. 
oh, well, let's have 15 new series and see if we can get a couple good ones out of it. Let's dedicate seven episodes and 15 shows. <laughs> it's like, that's not how that works. Just spend billions of dollars. And the last one we have to talk about is oh my God. Young Jedi <laughs> Adventures. Uh, first full-length animated Star Wars series created specifically for preschoolers. Because that was, I mean, there was a, a market there that we weren't serving, right? Yeah, some somebody in like the team was like, you know what demo we're missing out on? Preschoolers. <laughs> the series will follow younglings as they follow the path of the Jedi in the High Republic era and learn about compassion, self-discipline, and the power of friendship. Hey, man, if it teaches kids something, sure, you know? Good thing it's not the other Republic younglings, because then the kids would ask, what happened to all the younglings? <laughs> so, okay, so it's worth noting that in the first novel of the High Republic that I've read, they slaughtered probably oh. 50 or 60 Jedi in the first novel. I'm not sure that's preschooler material, to be honest with you. Make it like Sesame Street. You know, just don't talk about that stuff. Yeah, that's what we're looking at. I guarantee you a third of these shows never come out. They, probably <laughs> they won't. Well, I mean, some of them are already confirmed. You know, you're, the first four are confirmed. So you've got Andor, Ahsoka, Mando Season 3, and Skeleton Crew are confirmed. And Acolyte. Bad Bad Season 2, which isn't in here. It, it's not. Bad Bad Season 2, Accolades Confirmed. Uh, Visions Season 2 is confirmed. So there's only like four of these that are speculative. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, the pipeline, the, the, the content will never stop. So we we talked uh, in, la in our last episode about whether or not this is overkill. Is this overkill? I mean, it looks really bad seeing it all on paper like this. So yeah, it is. Um, and we, t we talked about Star Wars fatigue. You know, we People are already feeling that after three sequel movies and all these shows already on Disney+. Plus. And I think, depending on the release schedule of this, it's only going to get worse. I, I think the only way to... S well, not the only way, but a big way to save this would to be, would to be something like an MCU Thanos buildup, where everything is tying into this larger thing. I think these scattershot shows and, and movies are just not going to grab people like they think it is. Yeah, and I think the philosophy is that Star Wars is in a universe, and it's a big universe, and it's more than just a Skywalker story. So let's tell everybody's story in yeah. the universe. And they're really kind of close to that at this point. Yeah, but I just I, at the end of the day, I think they're they're always going to fall back on you know the Vaders and the and the and you have to because that's the money makers. Yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, they need to make profit, right? The one thing, and we're already pushing up against the time, but I'm I don't care. We're gonna we're not going to go to another episode. We're going to finish it up here. Yeah. So Star Wars in movie and television is one thing. Now you can live Star Wars, right? So you can go to Disneyland, Disney World. You can go to Galaxy's Edge. You can stay at the new Star Cluster. I have no idea what it's called. I don't forget what it's called. The Halcyon. The new, the new uh, hotel you can stay at. I, when I heard about all this stuff, I was so excited because I've loved Star Wars my entire life, and I thought it would be great to be able to live in that that environment or at least visit it yeah what are your thoughts on that do you think it needs to come off the silver screen do you think it helps to add to it what are your thoughts on that uh just theme parks in general for me i have a really hard time getting immersed uh you know i'm a jaded cynical uh <laughs> old man now we, we so. dragged you to disney enough to make <laughs> you hate it well it's just like I, for me 
there was definitely a time in my life where this would have been awesome. It would have been like, hey, I'm going to get fully into the same thing with the Marvel uh, Avengers Campus, where it's like you see the dumbest Spider-Man fly across and hit the brick wall because the thing <laughs> broke. You saw that. Yeah, it's a very funny video. Um, I, those things, I just they don't do they do nothing for me, and they're all way too expensive. And it's just, it's just, it's not that interesting to me, unfortunately. But I, if you can get in there and you can really feel it, and if you enjoy it, and and it can do something for you that movies can't, where you're in that world, more power to you. Harry Potter world was pretty cool, and I'm not even that big of a Harry Potter fan, um, but that was very neat. So you know, something like that, I think could be could be interesting. It's just, it's not my cup of tea. And and I tend to agree with you. You know, having I've only been to Galaxy's Edge once at this point. And I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I could have spent the entire day just soaking it up. The promise of the interaction that they, they offered you when they first launched it is not there. That's where the, the hotel comes in. So now mm-hmm. you got to spend $6,000 for a two-night stay to get that. To me, it's a lame attempt to capture the nostalgia that you get from the movies and TV. And what bothers me more than anything is it's not my Star Wars. Mm. You know, that Galaxy's Edge is set in the sequel, the sequel trilogy era. And and I just, it's not my Star Wars. Which is interesting, right? Because they, they know that, I feel like they have to know that most people don't like the sequel trilogy. Or at least yeah. the people that are going to spend $6,000 for a two-night stay. So why would you not, you know, I think if they made it a real original trilogy-themed area, Maybe they're saving that for other parks. You get a prequel one, you get an original trilogy one. I don't know. But I just, I think it's a, a, a strange, I don't know. Maybe they decided to double down, right? If we make a hotel, maybe it will convince people to like these movies more. It's really hard for me to go to a Star Wars land and know I'm not going to see Darth Vader. Yeah. It's just, he's Star Wars, you know, and he's not there. It's Yeah, that is very strange. And it just seems very cheap and it's a money grab to me. So, yeah, I mean like, that's the theme of the sequel trilogy. What's what's the one drink cost at the hotel? Oh, the the Kai Burr Crystal, the five thousand dollar drink. Yeah, which is just it's insulting. You know the entire the fact that you're you're asking me to spend six thousand dollars to stay in a room smaller than this than our studio here for two nights. It's insulting. Like I have the money. I could go there today and book that and stay there and and not blink an eye at it. I refuse to spend that kind of money because of how insulting they are. Yeah, and they're, and they're counting on the Star Wars fan that has the money like yourself, but that doesn't have the free will, <laughs> the free will in their brain to say, "Wait a minute, they're just they're just bleeding me dry. They don't care about me." Yeah, they they, they just uh, yeah. Well, uh, and I'm going. We're going there again in in August, and I'm going to spend a lot of money there. I'm going to come back with a boatload of merchandise that I don't need. It, do you have a good time though? Are you? Does it? Do you enjoy it? And that's yeah. That's the that's the idea. I'm going to. I don't know. In August, I might not well, enjoy in, so in much. Florida, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's really all that matters. It's, it's disappointing that it's it's that money grab. That's all. It's okay to fuel these corporate monopolies as long as you're having a good time. As long as you don't think about it. Thank you, you so much for helping me justify. <laughs> as it. long as the you have that dopamine hit when you buy a new <laughs> a new figure or something, it's okay. Just spend money and don't think about it. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so much better now. That'll that'll change my life now. Thank you. <laughs> Use your Twitch Prime sub to subscribe to this if you have. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I think that's all we have. I think we I think we beat this topic to death. Yeah. Uh, today with our second episode. Uh, before we do go, though, I would want to just once again invite you to 
Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can get audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. Video and audio of all the network's podcasts can be found listed as Insights into Things. You can find us on Pandora, Castro, Stitcher, Podbean, Buzzsprout, any place you can get a podcast. Uh, write in, give us your feedback, tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Um, tell us, you know, how if we're doing a good job or not. Do you want us to? Do you, do you want to bash me for hating Ahsoka? Write in and tell me about it. Uh, you can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. Uh, you, we do stream on uh, Twitch five days a week at twitch.tv slash insightsintothings. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you get a free monthly Twitch subscription. We'd appreciate you throwing that our way. You can also find high-res versions of all of our videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash insightsintothings. Or you can find links to all those and more on our official website at www.insightsintothings.com. You had something else. Yes, I would like to issue a challenge to everybody out there. What's the, what's the best metric? Twitch follows or subs for sure. us? If we get 10 Twitch subs by the time Andor comes out, I will watch it and we'll do a review on this program. Wow. That's a challenge for that all is, you people out there. That is bold. I will abandon my principles for 10 Twitch subs. <laughs> That's not even that much money. You can do it, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know you've got a price. But yes, if August 31st is when the first episode comes out, if we have 10 Twitch subs by then, we will be doing a full review of Andor. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, that's all we have for today. Another one in the books. Bye-bye. Bye.